now, time for seafood news. Greetings, seafood fans, and happy Tuesday edition of the Seafood News Podcast. I'm Seafood News staff writer Amanda Buckle. And I'm seafood market reporter Lauren Castiglione. This week's episode is brought to you by the Seafood Innovation Expo, taking place at the Mazatlan International Center in Mexico from September 6th to the 7th. Visit expoinnovationayp.com or email expo at sbs-seafood.com for more information. We hope everyone had a great holiday weekend. Lauren, did you do anything fun? I did. It was my birthday. (gasps) Happy birthday! Thank you, thank you. So we went out for some barbecue and then we went to this ice cream place that served ice cream flights. Oh my gosh. So you could taste test a bunch of different flavors. That sounds amazing. It was amazing. How many flights did you go through? Two. Oh my gosh. And I ate all of my husband's. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sounds like an awesome holiday weekend. Um, I love it. And, uh, well, we're actually not alone here. Well, it's funny that you say that because I've always been wanting to turn this into a podcast about extraterrestrials. Anyway, it's true. We're not alone here, and I have proof. Lauren, I would love to fall down that rabbit hole with you, but, I mean, we're not alone in this room. That's all I'm talking about. (laughs) We've got a very special guest with us, sales account manager Laura Zinger. Uh, Yes, Laura. So Laura joined Erna Barry in January 2018 as an account manager. She supports portions of the Southeast and Midwest United States, in addition to Ontario, Russia, and the Middle East. But more importantly, Laura was just named the new host of Erna Barry's Market Digest podcast. Congratulations, Laura. (laughs) Bring it back. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so give us a scoop, Laura. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at UB. And give us a tease of what people can expect from Erner Berry's Market Digest podcast. The oh. new and improved. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I, I thank you so much for a warm, uh, if you want to call that warm, introduction. <laughs> I certainly appreciate it. Um, I'm very happy to be here and extremely, extremely excited to be the new host of the Weekly Digest podcast, actually. The first one that I just recorded was with Senior Vice President Russ Whitman, who uh, focused on the chicken market. It was really, really insightful. Um, so here at Ernerberry, my job is to be an account manager, which means to fully support, um, to coach, to teach, um, and to make my clients profitable and efficient. And uh, I do that every single day with a lot of hard work and dedication to all the big players in, in the game here. I support all the different proteins, and I try to consistently improve my skills and be an expert in Comtel which, as you know, um, has a huge database of our market quotations, analysis pieces, and commentary from our market reporters like Russ. Um, So what you can expect is to have an exciting guest and an exciting topic from somebody within here in Erner Berry um, each week. Sometimes we might have a special guest from outside, but we're really going to try and focus on market intelligence, on what's going on within our industries, news that impacts the proteins and the prices, um, and try to really feed into what it is that our customers are asking us to begin with. Wow, that's that's great. Yeah, Laura is super knowledgeable, super dedicated, and she's going to hit the ground running with this new podcast. No yeah, pressure. I'm excited. No I mean, pressure at all. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to you nonstop. We like sit very close to Laura, so we listen to her nonstop on the phone all day, and like the, the knowledge you have is yeah. just insane, so I'm really looking forward to, to listen to the podcast. And do you actually have a, a a date that it's going to come out is it going to come out every Monday or what's it when can we expect the podcast to be released 
That's a good question. So we haven't determined a day of the week just yet. Uh, we are going to try and shoot for early in the week. So Mondays okay. or Tuesdays. So they just need to be edited and set up. Once we know for sure, I'll let you know so you can put it out there on your podcast. But thank you very much for the kind words. You know, talk on the phone for a living. You never really think about who's listening to you except for the other person <laughs> on the other listening. end. always <laughs> listening. The small office here. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Laura. And for our listeners out there, definitely check out Erna Berry's Market Digest podcast, available to listeners download for free through SoundCloud and iTunes. Now let's jump into the news, uh, the seafood news. This week we have a crab meat analysis courtesy of seafood market reporter Janice Schreiber. We're also breaking down import restrictions from Mexico, NOAA's Office of Law Enforcement annual, annual report, and of course an update on tariffs. Plus we got more details from Seafood Nutrition Partnership President Linda Cornish on their second annual State of the Science Symposium taking place in Washington DC on Friday, September 14th. So according to our girl Janice, colossal jumbo lump and super lump meat for blue swimming crab continue to weaken and are under downward pricing pressure. Industry participants report that they are managing their inventories closely on these sizes as not to be caught heavy with expensive product in what looks to be like a falling market. Uh, As for an overview of what we are seeing so far this year, well, imports of pasteurized and fresh crab meat in June have increased almost 18% from the previous month and are also up 25% from the same time last year. On a year-to-date basis, imports are up slightly 3%. Overall, imports are trending above the three-year average after trending lower than the average for two straight months. Although overall imports were up on a month-to-month basis and year-to-date, imports from Indonesia, which is the largest producer in this category, continue to be lower and were down 13% year-to-date. However, on a month-to-month basis, June imports are 25% higher in comparison to May. Imports from China have also adjusted higher this month as compared to May, up 46% and 33% higher year-to-date. Now, if all of that was just very hard to digest, um, some of our listeners who are Comtel subscribers, all of this is available on the site. You have first access to it. There's charts, there's graphs. um, And then next week, it'll be posted on our Seafood News uh, site as well. So everybody else, you'll just have to rewind and write down all those figures. (laughs) Fantastic. Thanks, Lauren. In other news, certain fish products from Mexico are now under import restrictions. So back in July, the United States Court of International Trade handed down a ruling uh, ordering the U.S. government to ban imports of fish and fish products from Mexico that have been harvested with gill nets. Now, the National Marine Fisheries Service has published a rule in the Federal Register giving notice of import restrictions. So these import restrictions were put into effect on August 24th, and what this means is that any fish or fish products that were harvested by gillnets in the upper Gulf of California within the range of the vaquita porpoise are prohibited from being imported into the United States. So the National Marine Fisheries Service's rule also requires that all fish and shrimp products from Mexico, including fillets, whole fish, and frozen shrimp, have a certification of admissibility in order to be cleared at customs. And this certificate, um, which is required in addition to SIMP and other requirements that exist for seafood and shrimp imported from Mexico, would document that the products do not come from the area in um, the upper Gulf of California. So, uh, I, I mean, I think this is pretty important. I mean, the vaquita porpoise is listed as an endangered species under the U.S. Endangered Species Act. And, I mean, the mammals which are found in the northern Gulf of California are often caught in gill nets that are used for illegal fishing operations. Um, and, you know, reports estimate that there are anywhere between 12 and 30 vaquita porpoises left in the world. So hopefully, 
Yeah, when there's that few in the world, you need to do everything you can to yeah. try and at least just save that. Yeah, it just it's crazy because it's just all illegal fishing, you right. know. So it's like these people obviously don't care either right. way. Yeah, but hopefully. I mean, you got to take steps somewhere. Right. Yeah, it's really sad. And hopefully this ruling will help. Um, in other news, NOAA's Office of Law Enforcement released their annual report for 2017, describing how they spent the $67 million allocated to them last year. According to the report, over $39 million was spent on enforcement and surveillance. Just over $18 million went towards the Cooperative Enforcement Program which provides joint enforcement agreements with the state and U.S. territory natural resources enforcement agencies. $6.7 million was spent on the Vessel Monitoring System Program, and just under $2 million went to the High Seas Driftnet Act implementation. The highest profile case that NOAA's Office of Law Enforcement was involved in was the investigation of Carlos the Codfather, Rafael. Oh, jeez. Who also, <laughs> after, uh, who after an undercover investigation pleaded guilty to 23 counts of false labeling and fish identification, falsifying federal records, bulk cash smuggling, and tax evasion. Raphael was ultimately sentenced to 46 months in prison for those crimes. Okay. I feel like we haven't said the name Carlos Raphael on the podcast in weeks. Mm-hmm. And you know how, like, in, like, plants, I'll have those signs that are, like, it's been blank days without injury. Oh, yeah. the Yeah. Uh, yeah the safety signs. The safety signs. <laughs> I feel like we should have one that would say, like, it's been blank weeks without mentioning Carlos Raphael. Or tariffs, or, or right whales, <laughs> or... Oh, <laughs> so we need sad. a lot of signs. We're, we're back to zero on all of <laughs> yes. them. Uh, but moving along, we do have some tariff <laughs> yeah. updates. Uh, on the Alaska front, no decision has been made on whether U.S. seafood products exported from Alaska for reprocessing in China will be charged uh, punitive U.S. tariffs of either 10% or 25%. The Office of the U.S. Trade Representative has announced a tentative list of products to be taxed, which include all seafood from China, but the industry is still lobbying for an exemption. So the earliest the tariffs could be announced or go into effect would be after September 6th, which is the end of the comment period, and there is no set timeline for the U.S. to announce any decisions. However, according to the Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute, even the prospect of these tariffs have already cooled off Chinese demand for major Alaskan export products, and it's causing some backups. But meanwhile, in Maine, the lobster company um, has reportedly laid off 25% of their workers after orders from China stopped in July due to tariffs on American lobsters. Fortunately, the, the lobster company has a location in Canada as well, and they can still ship live lobster from that location in southwest Nova Scotia. Now, let's jump to something a little bit more interesting. Speaking of lobster in Canada, you just got back from your trip from uh, Future Leaders Program from St. John's, Canada, right? Yes, it was Fantastic. Okay, tell us all about it. Yeah, so I went through a uh, lobster and salmon academy while I was over there. So we got to go through a lobster um, plant and a salmon plant. Um, you know, it's really interesting seeing just like all the machinery in operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I didn't realize how many different like types of cuts and different products that are offered. I mean, like, you, you see everything, but you don't know how much work goes in exactly, into it. exactly, yeah. and like the workers there are just like amazing. It's it's something that's just like unbelievable to see in person. Um, just like a, a working processing. Was plant. it one plant that did both, or you visited two? No, there are two separate plants. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You know, and this was all up in in New Brunswick, uh, Canada. Uh, but besides um, visiting the lobster processing plants, we also went out on a boat to see um, some of uh, Cook Aquaculture's uh, salmon nets. 
Mm -hmm. Um, We also uh, got to see a lobster um, harvesting uh, demonstration, which was really interesting as well. Um, And of course, we just ate nonstop salmon and lobster, which who can complain? The freshest that you can get, (laughs) right? (laughs) Who can complain about that? Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, it's it's insane just because this was the fourth and final uh, future oh, yeah. leaders trip, and so I'm really gonna miss like the the National Fisheries Institute just did a fantastic job, and I mean, I was with a group of it was 40 of us all together, mm-hmm. and everyone just got became really close. And, oh, I love that. Yeah, and it was just it was a great way to experience something with everybody, and you know, everyone's that's in the group is at all different stages uh, and all different like positions within within the seafood industry. That's interesting. I would think it's a lot of like fresh people into the yeah the I mean, industry. There's, there's definitely there's veterans some, too. Yeah, but then there's there's people that have been in for a while. That's great. Yeah, so it, it I think it's it just really helps like also I mean besides visiting these plants and hearing from speakers and everything. It's just also great to just communicate with your peers and, you know, they're seeing different things than us. Uh, So it was a fantastic experience for anybody who's considering uh, the National Fishery Institute's Future Leaders Program. I highly recommend it. Um, It was really a a truly fantastic experience, and and hopefully we can uh, convince Erna Berry to send you next year. Yeah, (laughs) I'm in. I'm in. I love it. All right. Thanks, Amanda. Now, before we go, we're lucky enough to have landed some inside scoop from the Seafood Nutrition Partnership President, Linda Cornish, on their second annual State of the Science Symposium taking place in Washington, D.C. on Friday, September 14th. Let's take a listen. Okay, so the annual State of the Science Symposium is coming up on Friday, September 14th in Washington, D.C. Uh, what can you tell us about the event? Who are some of the speakers and uh, you know, what's, what's going to be happening? Yeah, it, you know, we're holding our second annual symposium um, uh, this, on Friday, September 14th, and um, it, it's really been well received because it's a forum for global leaders in human nutrition that uh, have a chance to learn more about seafood science and the latest updates in the production technologies and um, consumer outreach. And we're excited to have some very prominent experts come and um, share with us about the science on seafood, and they include Dr. Brenna, who is on our board and also serves on the Dietary Guidelines Committee for the 2015-2020 Dietary Guidelines, uh, just to name um, one of the scientists. And uh, in the consumer outreach session, we've got Chef Barton Seaver. Uh, he's a great sustainability advocates in the seafood world, as well as uh, Jacqueline Claudia, CEO of Love the Wild, Kim Thompson from the Aquarium of the Pacific will be on hand uh, to talk about how they're helping consumers eat more seafood. And uh, in the aquaculture section, we have Scott Nichols from Foods Future, uh, Kareem Kermali, CEO of Vera Merit, and Steve Hart with Global Aquaculture Alliance and Jessica Gephardt with the uh, National Social Environmental Synthetic Center, or short for SISINC. And so um, we're really excited to have just such great panel speakers come and share with us their latest work. And, uh, you know, the symposium will be a very informative and educational session for all that are able to attend. And for those that want to sign up for tickets, it's not too late. The, the website to go to is seafoodnutrition.org forward slash S-O-S-S, which stands for State of the Science Symposium. 
And uh, who should consider attending the event? You know, all those that want to learn more about the health benefits of seafood and um, get into more details about why it's healthy for our brains, uh, those that um, have a role in developing nutrition guidance, you know, for their clients, customers, um, in their agencies, and um, I think those that work in the global health field, you know, we're all trying to make sure that our populations are as healthy as possible. And seafood is a major role in a healthy diet. So those that work in nutrition and health and wellness should definitely attend. All right. Sounds like a can't-miss event. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Linda. We really appreciate it. Thank you again. Thanks again to Linda Cornish for taking the time to speak to us. Visit seafoodnutrition.org slash state of the science for more information. And that wraps up our show for the week. Once again, this week's episode was brought to you by the Seafood Innovation Expo. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you back here next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Time for seafood news.